Welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast, Burundi. We've uh, we've had some news around the week, but it hasn't been a it hasn't been a massive week so far. No, not really. Um, we got a couple couple trades that that took place. Um, couple huge uh, trade rumors. Um, you know, I, I think this is our last episode we've got before the trade deadline. Um, you know, maybe barring any anything crazy that happens over the weekend or early next week, we, we might come out with a with something before the trade deadline during next week. But yeah, uh, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of trade deadline news to to cover here. Yeah, and we kind of knew going into this that uh, it would be a bit of a quieter trade deadline. Most likely, there's not a lot of guys on expiring deals that look to be shopped, and a couple yeah. that were, you know, uh, the. Elias Lindholm trade and such, they uh they already happened uh so for like almost a month before the deadline. So we uh yeah we were kind of prepared for this. So luckily we've got a couple mock trades as well as uh, news around the league to cover. Yeah, that that we do. Um, I mean, where where do we want to start here? Um, let's uh let's start with some of the uh, news around the league. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a ton to add to this one, but uh, the Arizona Coyotes are on a 14-game losing streak. Yeah, yeah, they went the entire month of of February without a without a win. They went 12 or 0, 12 and two. Yeah, and brutal. It's not exactly unexpected, but the way they were playing, you definitely would have figured they would have uh, put together a bit more than that. They've, well, I mean, uh, like yeah, mid January. Mid January, we were talking about the kind of playoff race and how exciting it's going to be, and and they were right in there fighting for those wild card spots. And now they're 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 so far out of it. Like they're they're not making the playoffs now. Obviously, yeah, they're As, nineteen pl- points out of playoff spot yeah. now. Yeah, not only that, they're they're fifth last in the in the entire league. So once again, it's you know, and it, this kind of feels like something we've seen from the Coyotes. It's they start the season off fairly strong and they're kind of in there and then all of a sudden just a horrendous collapse and and now they're you know picking top five again most likely yeah and uh we uh we can talk we'll talk probably a little bit more about the uh the standings later but that uh that western conference wildcard situation is kind of nuts they've uh yeah all of a sudden nashville's on a seven game win streak and they're in uh calgary's on a four game win streak behind them so they're looking to get in and st louis who not too long ago was on a seven or eight game win streak they've lost three in a row and they're kind of uh looking to be on the downswing it's it's really weird over there but uh the the gap between wildcard teams and not is looking to get only bigger and bigger so we'll see if it's still competitive by the end of the year yeah yeah it's 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 gonna be close it's gonna be a a battle for a lot of teams right up until the final day. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, do do some teams kind of take off and go on a great win streak? Or do we see a team do what Arizona's doing and just completely fall apart and, and their season's now gone? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, one, uh, one team that uh, they're four five and one in their last tens, but they're, pretty comfortably in a good spot is the Vegas Golden Knights who yeah. just announced uh, 
earlier this week that Mark Stone will be out for the rest. They said, uh, without a doubt, he will be out for the rest of the regular season, uh, but they're hopeful that he comes back for the playoffs. Yeah, they said he could miss the playoffs. He could be back. We know what that means. He's out for the rest of the regular season, game one of the playoffs. He's back in 100% healthy. Like it's, yeah. They can word it whatever way they want. Any any like diehard hockey fan who pays attention around the league knows this is what they do. It's the same thing every year. And it's always Mark Stone is the one who uh yeah. Gets to take a take a little bit of extra rest in and, and I mean I don't doubt that he's got, you know, injuries. We know he's got that lingering back injury, but the fact that it's every year, you know, a week, a week and a half before the trade deadline, it's like, oh he's He's hurting out for the rest of the regular season, but we know he'll be back for for game one of the playoffs. So, yeah, and it's it's such a weird situation because I I know that he does have legitimate injuries, uh, but I wonder because you know the way it's supposed to work is once a guy's healthy enough to play, you're supposed to activate him, but then he counts against the cap. But if they made a move at the deadline while he's on ITL. LTIR, uh, then mm-hmm. obviously they wouldn't have the room. So they, I obviously he does have his injuries, but I wonder is it that he's healthy? Assuming it does happen like that, because it has in the past. Um, is he coming back from injury too early in the playoffs, or is he healthy earlier than he says and? He's waiting out extra time. I mean, because because I think those shows are up two very separate, yeah. two very separate situations. Hundred percent. But I think when you look at recent years, you know, when he comes back in and in, in for the playoffs, like he's immediate. Like it's not like they're they're sheltering his minutes or anything. It's not like he's only playing, you know, thirteen to fifteen minutes. He's going out there and playing, you know, eighteen, nineteen, maybe even twenty minutes. Uh, like he's he's getting that full ice time he's being used in all situations like to me if a guy's coming back and a little bit earlier than he should you don't you know use him as if he's fully healthy at the start of the regular season type of thing yeah and and i i didn't watch uh you know the first few games when he came back uh in past years um one the only thing i really have uh that can compare to this, right, is when Kucherov came back after he missed uh, basically the entire year. It might have actually been the entire year. of He missed uh, the whole regular season. Yeah, the one year he had uh, his, I think it was back surgery? Something um, like that, yeah. I can't yeah. remember exactly. And um, he was out. And notoriously, when he came back, uh, I believe in the first round that year we played Florida, and... He put up, I think it was two goals and one assist in uh, that first game. Uh, but he did not like. It's funny because he put up insane numbers, right? But he did not look like himself. Like, yeah, he did not because he's better. so he's got such good IQ, hockey IQ, and a uh, good shot and stuff. But like, I, I remember in that game there was one point where I think it was Hedman sprung him for a breakaway, and like, legitimately, he got caught up to on that breakaway. If Pat Maroon had that, he would have been in all alone. It was like, holy yeah. fuck, he is not 100% yet. Uh, luckily, yeah. he could just do so much work on the power play. But Yeah, exactly, right? When the guy comes back and it's like, 
he can't, I, I can't make it for game 82. I'm, I'm not ready. And then half a week later, he comes back and he's playing huge minutes and he's looks like he hasn't missed a step. It's definitely, it's definitely sketchy. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Vegas and obviously moving Mark Stone to LTR, they are um, one of the teams um, that we'll discuss a little bit about in one of the mock trades we have um, later on. All right. So that, that will come back into play at some point. Um, before we get to that, we have a, a couple of trades to go through. Do you, uh, do you have a preference on which one we go through first here? Yeah, so we'll do the, um, the bottom one of the two we have here first, because I believe that okay. the second one is a result of the, the first one. So if you want to break down the... Mm, that's very fair. Break it down for us here. Yep, we got, uh, so uh, Chris Tanev was acquired by the Dallas Stars a couple nights ago uh, from the Calgary Flames. Uh, this was a three-team trade that also involved the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Calgary acquired defenseman pro- defensive prospect Artem Grushnikov and the Dallas Stars' second-round pick in 2024. Uh, and a conditional third round pick in 2026. I believe the condition is that they, the stars have to make the finals this year. Yeah, they have to make the Stanley Cup final for Calgary to get that, uh, that third rounder. Yeah. And um, of course, uh, New Jersey received Dallas's fourth round pick in the 2026 draft for their troubles. I believe uh, yeah. Calgary retained 50. 50. 50% on this, and then New Jersey retained uh, a 50% uh, of the remaining. Of the remaining. So uh, 25% of his overall salary. So uh, the it's Stars have, over a million the stars have Tanev for uh, 25% of his cap it, which is pretty sweet yeah. for them. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great deal for Dallas because, I mean, obviously they needed help on the right end of their blue line. Uh, Chris Tanev was obviously the best uh, right-handed defenseman available at the deadline, or at least of the players who were presumed to be available. Obviously, they, they could have went out and got a higher-profile guy and, and gave up way more. Um, yeah. But yeah, Tanev fits exactly what, what Dallas needs. And then to get him only coming in now, uh, you know, a little over a million dollars, that still gives them a um, decent amount of cap space to go out and make um another move it, there, there's not a whole lot of truth to it but there is rumors that they have been looking around um philadelphia with nick sealer and with anaheim uh, about radko gudis so it doesn't sound like uh dallas is completely done yet with uh adding to their blue line and i mean and that's a big part of why they you know gave up an extra pick to have new jersey retain um, like it was about a million dollars that yeah. New Jersey retained there. Which is interesting Calgary. that New Jersey's done that because a lot of people thought New Jersey was going to go out and spend a ton of futures to go get uh, guys to really build up for the playoff run this year. And it's uh, it's kind of looking like they're maybe uh, kicking it to next year or something <laughs> with with this, giving themselves that much less cap space to work with. Yeah, um, like New Jersey's a weird one, right? Because when you look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, like really they do have um, 
uh, I'm just trying to find out how much cap space they have because they do have a decent amount. Like they have uh, 8.3 million in cap space right now, and that's after already retaining that. So they still have a decent amount to work with. Um, um, is any of that LTIR money? Like, are they? Do they have somebody who, if they came back, they would have way less? Yeah, they have Dougie Hamilton LTIR who's making nine, but I don't think he's coming back at all this year. Well, and if he does, it would be it would be playoffs. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess he can't now for the regular season if uh, if he's well, they they would just send down one of their their eight defense. I guess have. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, like it. The thing I don't fully understand is like I know a lot of people are when talk about New Jersey. He's like, yeah, you know what? This year's not in the cards. Um, you know kick the can down the road till next year and then go on go all in next year the issue is though is at the end of this year like it sounds like they're gonna resign to foley and i'm assuming to foley probably gets a little bit of a pay upgrade from like the four million he's making right now i doubt less at the least yeah and then also on top of that you've got you know guys like luke hughes and uh Simon Nemich on their entry level deals. Next year is the final year of Luke Hughes's deal, and you know once that's up, he's going to be getting paid more. So I feel like you. I don't. They really I don't think they want to get the bridge either. They're not going to yeah, bridge no. him. They want eight years, which means they're going to pay for him. Uh, yeah. You know, he'll, honestly, I definitely could see him taking the same exact deal Jack Hughes got. Yeah, but kind of what that's I a think lot more than get. his entry level deal. Yeah. So, but it's an they, extra uh, eight mil right there on your yeah. books now they they need to win sooner rather than later and i mean that's that's just how it is for the majority of teams that are competitive right like yeah it's it's hard to put together a stanley cup caliber team and be able to maintain that for a long time so if you think you can go for it i think you gotta go for it right you gotta go for it when you've got like you've got eight million dollars available right now you've got some great contracts that you're not going to have in in a year or two like this is the year that they 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 should be trying to go for it and again yeah i i don't know if they will or whether they won't um so that's kind of an interesting team to keep an eye on um that again the new jersey is another team that we'll be talking about a little bit later on um with some of the the mock trades we have right and then, I mean, Calgary, I, I don't mind this deal for Calgary, a, a second round pick and a, 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 I would say a decent defensive prospect. I think he was a 2021 uh, second round pick. He's a, you know, a, a stayed home defensive defenseman who skates really well. Um, you is know, he, if you're, he is projected to make the NHL then or. Yeah, probably a five or six on the back end, I would say. Yeah, I mean it's something, and uh, the you know, a second round pick, you know, that's not bad. Um, it's kind of weird because, obviously, you know, it would be nice to have that third round pick uh, from Dallas, but if Which they I go think to the they very well might get, but if they if Dallas goes to the finals, that means it's a bottom two pick in the second round. You'd almost that rather that you'd almost rather not take that third round pick. And have that second rounder be a, a 46, uh, 47 kind of spot in the uh, overall in the second round. Yeah, you'd, you'd that's, almost that's you'd true. almost prefer the, a better second round pick. 
So at least they kind of set themselves up that if that's a disappointment, they'll get the third rounder. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a win-win if you look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, like I, I love this deal for Dallas. I think it it fills the the hole that they desperately need. I don't think they really gave up anything that was a part of their future. Um, Krishnikov, I, I don't like, again, he, he's probably going to end up being a, a bottom pairing guy, but I just, I really don't think he would have fit in with Dallas's plan. Second round pick. If you're getting Tanev, that second round pick means nothing to you. For Calgary, I think they really went for quantity over quality. You know, I think that they, yeah. um, we know that Edmonton had offered them, uh, a first round pick and Cody CC for Chris Tanev, which was rejected by Calgary. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know. Was that recently? Yeah, yeah, it was before they made the deal with um, with Dallas, I think like a couple days before. And oh, people I, had, very... I had heard that uh, nobody was offering, nobody was uh, giving them a first. So that's interesting. Yeah. They wanted a first for Tanev, but it, I, yeah. I had heard that it wasn't out there. But I mean, it's Calgary, right? If the only team offering a first is the Oilers. I could definitely see them turning it down. Well, I don't think it's got anything to do with the fact that it was, was Edmonton. It's the fact that they want to take on Cody CC. Yeah. That's a little cap. You're not getting a proper player back as much. Yeah. Like he's making a little over 3 million. He's been horrible this year. So he wouldn't provide any value to the flame. So it's like, you know, they might've done it. If Edmonton's like, we'll give you, a first, a prospect and CC or a first, you know, a second CC, because I think the Edmonton would have to pay um, a little extra to, to offload Cody CC's contract. So yeah, you're not getting like two assets back. You're getting one asset and essentially Calgary's giving you two assets, some cap yeah. space from CC and Tanev. So it, it would exactly. definitely make sense that they wouldn't take that trade. Exactly. But I mean, overall, I love this deal for Dallas. New Jersey, I mean, they're basically just paying a million dollars to get a fourth-round pick. All right. And then Calgary, I'm I'm indifferent on. I think for a guy like Chris Tanev and what he does, I think if they if they held out, um, I think you know, till till the deadline day, but... yeah, I think they could have got a first from from someone. But it's Cal- Calgary's been burned before. They they waited too long, and uh, deadline passes, and then. Now you're uh, now you're yeah. probably losing them for nothing. So you know what? I don't blame them for making this deal. Uh, it's not horrible. I think they could have got the first. I think it was out there, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? They still got a second. They got a guy who's looking to be decent enough. And yeah, there's uh, sometimes uh, you're just kind of handcuffed a bit, and Calgary's no stranger to that. So I don't hate it for them. Yeah. And you know that second round pick could could easily be used to to move up. Um, if you're looking at it, you know, a couple other guys we'll get into later on with the Flames. If they move them and get a first this year, you could package that second and that first on draft day and, and move up. You know, a, a couple spots to get the guy that you want. So I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. hate this deal for Calgary. I'm more on the side of I, I like it for them than I'm against it. Um, but I, I really do think they could have held out and got the first, but like you said, they, they could have found themselves in a, in a tricky spot if they did where they, they maybe end up getting nothing. So 
Yeah, and I I feel like a lot of Canadian teams, especially you know, namely the uh, the Torontos and the Calgarys, uh, in the NHL, they they seem to have a lot of issue with getting these guys into places that they'll allow themselves to go and teams want them. And they often seem to a lot more than the American teams lose these guys for nothing in free agency because they couldn't find the right deal. And yeah, it's, it's not the main reason, but like it's part of the reason that Canada has not had a Stanley cup champion in what, 30 years, 31 years. Yeah. It's been a while. Like in a while. It's yeah, it's it's tough to make those deals sometimes, and uh, that uh, that does not help. Yeah. Um. So then, obviously, that was the first of the two trades. The second one actually just happened last night. Um, Anaheim was set to to face off against San Jose. Ilya Labushkin was in Dallas or in Anaheim's lineup. Was pulled from their lineup um, just a bit before the game. So we're like, oh, it's. There's, there's probably a trade going on. And then sure enough, the news breaks um, that Ilya Labushkin has been traded back to Toronto where he um, had played there a bit for the Maple Leafs a couple years ago. So the Maple Leafs got defenseman Ilya Labushkin from the Anaheim Ducks. And this was another three-team trade that involved the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so the deal is that the Ducks retain 50% of Labushkin's salary. And receives Toronto's 2025 third round pick. And then the Hurricanes retained 25% of Labushkin's salary. And they received Toronto's 2024 sixth round pick. And uh, the Maple Leafs also received their rights to forward Kirill Slepitz from the Hurricanes to complete the trade. So, I mean, again, Carolina, they're they're paying a little bit of money to, to buy a draft pick. Uh, same as as what New Jersey did. Uh, Anaheim, obviously, sellers once again. Um, I mean, I don't like this deal for for Toronto. I This is why I wanted to do the Tanev deal first, was because I believe because um, Toronto think, missed yeah, out on Tanev, that. they went and settled for the next guy they could, and Labushkin has been awful this year. Like, I know he's on Anaheim, but like, you look at his advanced stats. Why not? He is he's been one of the worst defensemen in the league this season. So, yeah, which I is don't love this move for Toronto. He was fa- he was fantastic when he was in Toronto uh, in years past. Because uh, since this is him going back, and he was really good for them, but he was just a cap casualty. So it's uh, yeah. I wonder how much of it is uh, them kind of buying low because uh, they really did not give up much for this like what overall did the Leafs give up for this they gave up uh yeah a 2025 third and uh 2024 sixth was that that's all they gave up right yeah like those are I mean the sixth round pick is basically nothing and two years in the future the third round pick that's like yeah for an NHL player that's basically worth it so it's uh yeah I think they could have got something better but easily could have you know what? Maybe their their chance to get something better was in the off season before they got John Klingberg. So, yeah, you know, I uh, I have a feeling that it might work out pretty well for them, just because it's it uh, it's a guy returning, and 
I feel like you just often see that works out for teams, but we really do not know until until we see how it goes off. Um, yeah, something that's very similar to these two trade with these two trades and is very strange to me is uh, the Hurricanes are involved in this one and are retaining twenty five percent of Lubushkin's overall salary. Um, the Hurricanes and the Devils, like in the preseason, were like two of the top three teams in betting to win the Stanley Cup. Like, they were both right up there. Mm-hmm. Like, they were both heavy favorites this year. And, okay, but, but uh, here's the thing, though. Here's two teams uh, that are now retaining on other competitors' salaries to make a playoff run. Yeah, but Carolina is only retaining 687000 Yeah. So like it's, it's like they're... They're not retaining like really anything. They've still got a um, little over five million in cap space. Uh, like it, it, this doesn't affect Carolina whatsoever. It, they're just paying like half a million to get an extra draft pick that that could even be used as uh, to to make a move at the deadline. And then New Jersey, like we said, they just ha- they have so much cap space right now that a million dollars for a fourth round pick that they could potentially flip. Um, I you know, definitely I understand think... it more for New Jersey. Uh, yeah. The Carolina one, it's it's a sixth round pick, and it's a team playoff bound at that. Like, it's that's so far down that, like, the pick is not worth very much. And it's more than anything, it's helping out a team in your conference that you know is strapped for cap space. So, and I'm sure there was, if they didn't do it, another team would have. Yeah, oh, and that's a thing. Like, but, someone would have done it either way. So Carolina's like, we might as well get that draft pick rather than some other team getting it. It's a, it's a, it's a very nothing part of the deal, but it's still a little confusing to me just with the situation because they're not, they're not giving up much, but they're not getting really anything either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that that that's a very good point for sure. Um, do we have much, um, much else on the board? Not a, not a ton to talk about this. I'm, I'm sick of talking about this guy, frankly, but, uh, uh, there was a clip going around. I can't even remember who they were facing at this point, but, uh, it was the Panther. It was a Panthers game and, uh, somebody went up and I think they just got their hands up in his face or something. And Nick Cousins, like an uppercut, (laughs) Nick Cousins flopped backwards and spun and he, fell to the ice and he was laying on the ice on his hands and knees holding his face and uh, a big scrum breaks out in front of the net and then Nick Cousins looks up realizes his guys are getting shit canned and he just hops up and sprints in there and starts throwing gloves too and like you do you do not see it but I would have loved for him to get a single game suspension from this just because it would send a message of like and we've seen the rest before do this just sending that message of like don't you dare try and make us look fucking stupid the refs hate when players coaches or organizations make them look stupid yeah and so for this guy to sit there and like he's holding his head and he's looking he's kicking his feet a little he's looking like oh man i really just got hit in the face this guy's he's a bully who hit me and then he just pops up he's like i'm gonna get in there and he's like completely fine. He's completely yeah. fine afterwards. And 
I, I would have loved to see him get like a major for embellishment or something. It's just like, a douchebag look on his end. Yeah. I mean, really he already looks like such a dick, but like, I, I think this as much as it is him as well, it just would have been a nice opportunity to see the league or the refs just kind of be like, Hey, just so everyone knows, uh, we really do not like when you fake injuries like this, because I'm sure it happens way more than we know. I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of guys who stay down and it's like, Ooh, Oh, he's slow off the ice. That's rough. And then, and then he's out there five minutes later, he's looking completely fine. And, and sometimes yeah. you get your bell rung and that's how it is. But I'm sure there's plenty of times where the guy goes down and goes, uh, whether he want planned it or not, he's like, I, I got to milk this a little bit now. I can't pop right up. And uh, just the way Nick Cousins did it, it was like, it, it looked like a bit out of like a WWE match. Yeah. Like he, really he looked, did. he looked like heel Randy Orton, like like pretending to be injured, and then he and then he pops up, and Nick Cousins runs in and RKO's somebody. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm surprised there wasn't more news on that, but also it's uh, you know, it's it's not like anyone was injured from it. I mean, the whole point is that nobody was. Um, but yeah. It uh, I would I would have enjoyed seeing the refs send a message to the league at Nick Cousins' expense. Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice to see. I don't know if we ever will, but you know, it's always something you, you'd kind of you'd hope to see a message get sent to, to him for doing that. But um, yeah, it just seems like Nick Cousins just can't get his shit together. So yeah, and it's it's wild how ubiquitously he's hated across the league, and he's the most hated Panther in the league. When this dude is on a team with some hockey bastards man matthew yeah. kachuk sam bennett lomberg like these are guys that opposing teams do not like facing and yeah and nick cousins is on a completely other level than them in terms of shit housery so yeah yeah he, he yeah. just he can't figure it out he, he cannot no matter yeah. what anyone does to him he He's sticking yeah. to his game plan. Yeah. And he doesn't need to, you know, he hasn't been suspended or anything. You know, he's, he's takes some penalties, but not near as many as he should like, and I'm sure he's drawing a ton. Yeah. So you'd, you'd like to see the refs spark that change a bit, but until they do, uh, what he's doing is working. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing, right? Like as much as I, I dislike him and dislike what he does, it's, it's working for him. So yeah. And, you know. and I don't mind the, being a bit of a shit heel now and then it's it's the dangerous plays more than anything right like you know we had yeah. that one like three week stretch earlier in the season where every podcast we did like three or four in a row it was just like man he fucking hammered somebody again and like it looked like they were going to be out for a while yeah um, yeah it would have been nice to see one of those get suspended but uh i'm i'm sure Karma will come for him at one point or another, maybe in the playoffs. At some point, it, it's going to. And I think it probably will in the playoffs when you're, you're playing the same team, you know, every second day, potentially for, for seven games straight. Um, you know, if he keeps this up in the playoffs, whatever team they're up against, eventually someone is going to just have enough of them and they're going to just take it into their own hands. So, yeah. Especially if he meets up with, uh, you know, a, a team like the Rangers where they got, you know, 
they got Truba. They got uh, what's that? That young kid who's just fighting oh, every Rempe. single game. Yeah, yeah. Rempy, Calgary boy as well. Oh no, fooling, dude. His dude. He's his face, man. Did you see the picture of his face during no. practice? Oh, just mashed up. in. Yeah, just a massive swollen black guy. Like, is that after the fight with? Uh... I, I couldn't even tell you, man. He's he's just yeah. been in so many fights. Like, it's... He, I think he got in a fight four games in a row. Like, yeah. In after his like from like his third game in the NHL to like his like sixth or seventh, it was like a fight a night. And like the one against uh, who is it? Who is it on Delorier? the Flyers? Delorier. Delorier. Yeah. That that's an all time fight. You could upload a clip of that fight in ten years, and people will remember it. Like. What a great scrap. And here's the thing, though. And I know a lot of people disagree with it because they're like, oh, they, they love fighting and hockey and they like this. And don't get me wrong. I, I think fighting in, in the game is completely fine. But when you're a, you know, a young kid like this, play hockey as well. You know, like, and I mean, yeah, like, sure, he, he has a goal in the system, whatnot. Sure. But to just go out there at the sole purpose of being like, I just got to go out there every single game and just fight like the biggest guy out there like yeah. eventually like you know and i mean yeah you know not gonna jump to specific players but we've seen what the effects of, of fighting just being a straight fighter and that's that's your only mission on the ice what it can do to some players so you know yeah. and i i think he's great at what he does but i'd like to see him and i know he had one or two games here and there where he goes out there and just plays he doesn't go out there and fight which you know, I think is fine. But like, if you're looking at the paces on over a full 82 game season to have like 60 fights, that, that's a bit, a bit absurd at that point. So yeah, you almost want the league to step in and do something. I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't that. think there's anything they could do. But like, there's... like, yeah, you obviously couldn't make a rule of like, you know, if a guy fights, he can't fight next game or something because you know yeah. then in the playoffs a guy a team would fight make a guy fight and then they fuck around with his teammates in the second game knowing that he'll get suspended if he does <laughs> so like yeah so like i don't know what they could do making a new rule but uh, yeah just to protect uh, the player because like one week yeah. in the league and his face is just mashed in and whatnot it's like it's like man come on like you've been in the league for <laughs> six games and it looks like you've already been put through through a wood chipper it's and like and as much as gary bettman wants to deny that it exists dte is a real thing and like yeah. all those hits they add up and like we're starting to see because you know a hundred years ago there were professional sports but they were much less uh aggressive much less intense you know it was it was coal miners who in their spare time played for the Montreal Canadians and stuff. You know, it was, it was guys who didn't do it full time and there was so much less money involved. So it was less of a big deal. Now that from like the seventies, eighties on, we're starting to see these guys who like their life was the game. We're starting to see some of them get old there. There's a lot of them that are like dying in this 60 to 70 year range. And all the guys they played with are like, man, what a lucky duck. He survived that long because like it's it's hard to ha live too long when you've been hit in the head so many times. Yeah, when you've got those brain injuries, it's Yeah, you see it yeah. in like 
so many sports now, you know, football players, hockey players, wrestlers, boxers, and like they're so few of them live as long as people should be. And even fewer of them have a quality of life if they get that long. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, this, how old is he? 21? Like, uh, I think he's a little bit older. I think he's like 23 or 24. Yeah. Like, I mean, realistically, any age, but especially a young guy, like, you want to see somebody doing something to kind of, you know, protect his future at this point a little bit. Yeah. No, like 100%. Like, you, um, you do so yeah so he's uh he's got four fights in his first six games he's averaging a little under five minutes time on ice per game so like say what you want he's he's out there to be a fighter okay he is 21 actually he is 21 Jeez, um, yeah. but but again it's like you know if it's someone like a, a ryan reeves you know goes out there just hits gets under the other team's skin and, and will fight when has to. But Ryan Reeves even doesn't go out there and just purposely be like, I'm going to fight every night because he knows he doesn't have to. His job is to just be a shit disturber and step up when when he needs to. He doesn't just go out there and be like, hey, you're you're a big tough guy. We're going to fight now. It's like, so I'd like to see Rempy maybe take on that approach of being a shit disturber, being a, a big, hard, heavy-hitting power forward because he's he's a big guy. And then it's like if someone needs to to step up and fight, or if Jacob Truba throws a, you know, an elbow right into someone's face like he he loves to do, and then someone grabs Truba, then Rempy can go in and fight or something. But yeah. to just go out there and be like, my job is to go out there every night and yeah, there's a and few find games. the biggest guy and fight him. It's there's it's a, a few games much. he's had where he's just like dropped the gloves at. 1959 left in the first period and they're just going like like that yeah. that's the whole game plan and um i liked what you said about uh you want to see these guys also play hockey it would be really interesting if they could put some sort of rule in where like they pick you know they use some sort of math analytics to pick what the average time should be and like a player to be a player will get like an extra penalty or suspended or something if they fight without having an average of, you know, seven or eight minutes time on ice for that. Yeah, you can't, you can't like, do that. Like it, cause it, it's stupid. It's stupid having these guys who go out there and they play two minutes a night. They get like one or two shifts and they go out there and fight and then they ride the bench the whole time. Yeah. But you can't put a cap on, on stuff like that though. I I think because then you have to have you have to have a thousand different subsections to that rule based on on injuries and stuff like that. So yeah, and you could have you can't be like if you go out there and fight and get injured. It's like well, you're suspended now because you didn't reach your your thing, and then you go into oh well maybe you know he didn't reach that mark, but it's like yeah he was he got injured during his fight, so we didn't want to risk playing Uh, him. And they're like so I'm thinking of uh, they use like the time on ice like average for that team for the year like not not that game because then nobody could fight in the first five minutes um but Mm -hmm. like but like you know if this guy has played 20 games for your team and averages three minutes a night then he's like an ineligible fighter but if he averages even six and a half minutes or something then maybe he is and then maybe you also make an exemption of like you know 
was the play stopped because some dude got headshot and then he went into fight versus him fighting at the dropping his gloves at the face off dot you know i i literally just came up with this like this is not a nhl ready plan but like i i think there's something that they could do to reduce the amount of guys who are only in the nhl to fight i think and like you said the, he's got a goal and an assist i think he has enough skill that he could play well that's also the you thing hate right to see is... him be delegated to this this absolute this just boxer on skates well, which, which is exactly what it is, right? Like he's he's 21. He's just coming into the league. He's not even getting an opportunity to actually really showcase his skill. It's you go out there and fight. Um, yeah. And in terms of that suspension thing, I, I just don't think that level works. There's too many different things. I think, and, and, and I don't think this will ever happen, but I think the only kind of rule you could do that would make sense is be like, you you reach this amount of, of fighting majors in a season, you're suspended for this. If you keep fighting afterwards mm. and you get to, like, if you, if you get, if you have 10 in a season or something, yeah. be like, you know, one or two game suspension. If you keep going and you get up to like 15, then X amount of games. And then something like that. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I think that's kind of maybe the only, uh, that would, that would be a great way to do it, I think. The way they can you know, go about it. And then I'm sure they'd probably have different rules for it in the uh, in the playoffs. You know, they'd change the numbers around. Um, mm-hmm. They'd be less because there's less games in the playoffs, but it'd also probably be, like, not... It would probably be a higher percentage of games you can fight in because, you know, they love that for playoffs hockey. But uh, I yeah. think something like that could definitely work, like... Just something to prevent guys from having like an insane amount of fights in a season. Like nobody should ever hit thirty or twenty-five fights in a season. You know, like that's madness. And especially when it's a when it's a, a kid who's twenty-one years old. You know, he's still learning how to to be an adult, to be a professional hockey player. His brain is still developing, and he's getting and his face be mashed in like every another night. three, four years. Like it's yeah, yeah, and just eating those punches upside the head and like and again and it's, obviously it's that like, can happen like, from like, hits that can if he blocks a shot wrong that can happen but just because it can happen in other ways in the game doesn't mean we shouldn't try and protect the players a bit where we can yeah because if like the season goes on like this that's what his career would be he would never you know get the chance to be a a middle six wing or something and just be a big, strong power forward who, who drives the net and maybe sits out front on the power play. It would be like, you're a fighter. That's, that's your job. If, if you want to keep playing hockey in the NHL, you have to be a fighter. If, if this is all we, we can ever see from him, because eventually he's, he's, we're never going to get to actually see any of his skill. If it's, yeah, you play four minutes a night and you know you sit in the penalty box for, for more time than you're actually on the ice. Like it's... It's just insane. Like if you played, you know, eight, nine, ten minutes a night and fights, okay, sure. But like when you're spending more time in the penalty box every game than than on the ice, helping your team try and win a game, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's it's odd. Yeah, I I completely agree. The only one I'll give him credit for is. Uh, his very first NHL game, which was the stadium series against the Islanders, the outdoor game. 
first of all, what a, what a cool game to have your first NHL game be in. Like he does his rookie lap outdoors in front of, you know, 80,000 people. Not many guys can say that. And his first shift he lined up and obviously lined up against Matt Martin. And it was Matt Martin who said, Hey, you know, kid, do you want to, do you want to go? Like Matt Martin challenged him to the fight. And I mean, when you're, you're a big tough kid coming up and your first shift, you got a guy like Matt Martin asking to fight and you know, you know, you can go toe to toe with him. How are you going to pass, pass something like that up in a game like that? So yeah, that must've been a pretty cool moment for him. I will say that. Yeah. And yeah, like, like you said, like that game where he fought Delorier, he had a goal in that game, uh, not too much uh, longer after that. So it'd be nice yeah. to see him get a little more time to not just fight, yeah. but I want to see him score up. some goals. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to see him in the, in a shootout three on three overtime, put him out there and just let him body Austin Matthews open ice or something. And it's, it's too bad because there's a very low chance. We'll see that, especially with him being on the Rangers because it's so hard to crack that forward lineup right now. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on him and see if, you know, how he does. Maybe his, uh, maybe his, uh, time on ice improves, his numbers improve. Yeah. Cause he's already been playing well and 21 years old. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of wraps up all of the, the main stuff we had on the page here. Um, before we get into some of these mock trades, we almost witnessed one of, I don't know if you heard about this, but we almost witnessed one of the biggest um, NHL trades ever. And it would have came out of completely nowhere. Did you hear about this? I feel like I heard there was a, a decently big trade, but I, I do not remember. I don't think I saw any specifics on it. So there was like no talks about this, no rumors. It came out that, that a deal was was in place, like both sides pretty much agreed to it, and then it kind of fell apart last minute. Right. I don't know what the full deal was, but we almost saw Elias Pettersson go to Carolina. Wow. Which would have been absolutely insane. And this took place over about a 48-hour span. It first came out that the Canucks had offered Pedersen, I think it was I think it was 11 million per year for 8 years, so 88 million total. It sounds like it wasn't really rejected. It was just Pedersen wanted to you know focus on playing right now and the season before getting into it. And then the yeah. Canucks kind of took it as, okay, I don't, we don't think he wants to stay here long term. So then they started kind of checking the market. Carolina was really interested. It sounded like the two sides kind of have, uh, you know, came to an agreement on a deal and whatnot. And then all of a sudden now it sounds like Pedersen's um, willing to, to sit down and start talking that, that eight year deal with the Canucks. And then the trade completely fell apart. And now, it sounds like within the next couple of days, we're going to have a, a Pedersen extension in Vancouver. So, I mean, yeah. Wow. Was there any word on the, uh, what might be going back? No, there, there was, there was nothing discussed about what the return would have been. I, I can't even imagine what 
the return would have been for a guy like Elias Patterson, especially the way he's playing right now. Like, like the conversation had to, had to oh. have start with like Vetchnikov and Slavin or something. Like, he would instantly be the best player, and I don't think it's even particularly close on the Hurricanes. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, like Aho is good, but Aho doesn't even doesn't come close to what Elias Pettersson is. Yeah. <laughs> like, realistically, not even think- close. Even though they fill a fairly similar role at a different level, I think Aho is like one of the only guys they wouldn't move for that, just because yeah. he's got a long-term extension there, and he's uh, he's been their lead leading goal scorer or their leading point scorer for like six years. Basically, every year, he, every year he's been Except, there. I think la- I think last year, I think he had since like 2018 or something like that. But I think last year Natchez might have outscored him, but. That, and I think Natchez would have been part of the package. Crazy. I think Natchez yeah. would have been the, one of the big pieces. Probably would have been Natchez. Probably two to three first-round picks. You know, another roster player, and then, like, one or two of Carolina's best prospects or something. Like, it would have been a huge package, um, and it would have came out of nowhere. But now it sounds like, obviously, that deal is not going to happen, and it sounds like Pedersen is going to stick around with the Canucks and it sounds like it'll probably probably not for sure, but probably be an eight year deal somewhere between 11 and a half to 12 million per year. Yeah. Which so like it's makes sense for sure. Yeah. I would have loved to know what, what the return, you know, uh, could have been or, or was going to be because like, like what, what kind of prices is, is Patterson? You know, he's he's one of the best centermen in the league. He's one of the best players in the league this season. Like, I just can't even imagine how much you would have had to given up for him. You know what? I think we can. I think we can almost figure it out uh, based on uh, similar tr- other trades that happened. Let's take uh, the Matthew Kachuk trade. So you need you're giving away one your best one of your best players at the least in Pedersen. You get back one of their top and arguably their top defenseman at the time. So, like, I think you take, like, a Slavin or something like that, and then you get one of the other guy's top wingers. So you probably get Natchez. Natchez I'm like, I'm 99% sure that it would have been Natchez. Yeah, I think Natchez, Svechnikov, and a first. Something like that. I think it would have been more. Nate, Sorry, Natchez, Slavin, and a first. But even then, yeah, I could definitely see it being more. God, can you imagine having Pedersen Aho down the middle locked up for like six or seven years? I'm not sure how long uh, Aho's deal is left, but that's that's a hell of a one-two. Yeah, yeah, like it w- would have been nuts. I think it probably would have been something like a Natchez, um, like a Jack Drury, uh, a Slavin or a Pesci, and then a first and a second potentially even honestly could be two firsts. Like when you're getting a guy like Elias Pedersen, who I don't think he's reached his prime yet. And the, the way he's already playing, um, oh, they just, oh, would have made Carolina instantly a cup favorite. I think. Yeah. A hundred. I mean, they're, they're technically considered a cup favorite. I don't think so. I think there's a lot of work they need to do still, but, um, but other than that, I think that kind of wraps up all of the current news um, around the league. Um, 
I don't know if you had anything else before the mock trades. Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, Sheldon Keefe was uh, yelling at the refs in uh, the game versus Vegas over a trip that wasn't a great call, but like that's when you're watching it in slow motion. So I can definitely understand why the refs called it a trip. He was screaming yeah. at he was screaming at the refs, and the refs kind of you know the refs will go over and they kind of take the screaming, and then the ref goes enough and starts to skate away, and then he kept yelling. He said, "Okay, you're out of here," and so he tossed him from the game. They got the they got the penalty for it, and they also gave him a twenty five thousand dollar fine afterwards, which pretty much everyone expected yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. There's there's not a ton to say on it, you know. Keeps really gotta get his temper in check. I'm pretty sure there was actually you could see Nylander was like telling him like shut the hell up. Like it looked like his players were more outwardly like, Coach, what the hell are you doing? than you'd see on a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really see that the whole situation too much, but yeah. Yeah. I I think it I think probably was kind of a trip in my mind but yeah it was it was it was a a borderline call and either way it was a two minute minor for tripping like we see phantom calls on that consistently enough that he shouldn't have lost his mind over it mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah yeah so i think really could have swore I actually I had something else. Maybe not. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not big news, but I'm sure everybody kind of saw that uh, the Green Men had returned to Vancouver. They they had a big entrance, of, a very Chris Sutter-like entrance um, at one of their most recent games. Uh, I think, oh, it's a game against Boston because it was when JVR got a penalty and then he was trying so hard not to laugh in the penalty box when they made this big grand return and came down to the penalty box and immediately started just taunting him. That's that, that's good. And it's it's so goofy that they're doing it this long after the first time we saw the green men. That was that was a long time ago at this point, but it was a long time ago they retired. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's fun to see. I wonder if they're like going to be back at it like I don't know if they have season tickets or whatever if they're going to show up a ton or I got to imagine, if anything, it's probably just for the remainder of this season and the playoffs. But hey, you never, you never quite know. Yeah, they were doing their own thing, and then they realized, man, Vancouver's doing really well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So lastly, all we have left is uh, some mock trades leading up to the deadline. Um, one mock trade that I was kind of in the process a couple of days ago of putting together. Um, I did scrap because I don't think it's going to happen now, being that, you know, the Nashville Predators are are seven points clear in the wildcard spot from the next closest team. Um, so I don't think they're going to be trading UC Soros. I think if they do, it'll be uh, in, in the offseason. So I, I don't have a UC Soros mock trade because I really don't think we'll be seeing him um, moved now that Nashville's kind of in a solid spot in in uh, in the wild card situation that's fair yeah i i think they came out fairly recently and said that they weren't going to move him either um yeah while they're in a playoff spot so yeah that that definitely makes sense 
Um, so this first one, I'm. It, it it was back and forth because we knew there was a deal to send Markstrom to New Jersey, like the deal was in place and everything. It fell apart because Calgary wasn't willing to like retain on Markstrom's deal, which is why it fell apart. And as of it was either late last night or this morning, um, we now know that New Jersey is is comfortable making a deal for Markstrom um, without uh, without Calgary retaining. Right. So this is uh so we're going back down this road because I think again, if Markstrom does get traded, it's to New Jersey or or nowhere else, right? Yeah, um, most likely. So I've got Jacob Markstrom going to the New Jersey Devils. And and these are all ones I made up. These aren't um like the other ones that were were pulled from analysts or reporters or anything. Right. So this is Jacob Marks from going to the New Jersey Devils for a 2025 first round pick, a conditional 2024 second round pick. So that's dependent on New Jersey's deal with San Jose. Either Calgary will get a second round pick this year, or it'll uh, be a 2025 second round pick. They'll also get um, forward Alexander Holtz, defenseman Santeri Hotika, and Vitek Vanacek is going to Calgary in exchange for Jacob Markstrom with so no they, salary retained going to New Jersey. Right. So they bring back Van, uh, Vanacek. That's just to make the goalie numbers work as well as can't imagine yeah. they want Vanacek that much over there. Uh, Holtz is one of the big pieces there. And then a first and then a second in one of the next two years. Yeah. And the first is a 2025 first. So not this up, this upcoming draft, but the following. Right. And then Santeri Hotika is not really much, but Calgary's really trying to to rework their defense. Defenseman and Hotika likes to play a little bit of a physical game a little bit, so I feel like maybe is that's just... Is he an NHL reality. player or a prospect? Kind of back and forth. He was actually... Um, He's a fringe NHL player this season? Yeah, he, he was kind of a fringe guy with San Jose. He was part of the uh, the deal that sent Timo Meyer to New Jersey. It was really just to make the contracts work. And then he's kind of been back and forth from the NHL to the AHL, depending on, you know, the numerous injuries that New Jersey has dealt with. So, and I think that's a guy that Calgary would get considering the, all the defensemen that they've already moved out and the guys that are still yet to, to be moved out. Interesting. I, I definitely like that for New Jersey. They, uh, Obviously, they're not getting the retention they want, but they are... Like we discussed, not, they got the money. They got the money they, still. They got the money. They need the goalie, and they're not giving up much in the way of what they're putting on the ice right now. The only thing that really yeah. affects them currently would be losing Holtz, but Who's he, he's, been he's been great there. for them as a fourth liner. Yeah. But he's only a fourth liner for them. So... Yeah. I uh I definitely like it on their end. I I do like it for Calgary. I'm just wondering if it's enough. It's they they want Holtz and that's good, 
but Holtz is not worth the majority of Markstrom. And as as good as a first is, I don't know how valuable that first is. Like that's probably going to be a top 25, like a bottom 25 of the first round pick in a couple years. Like the devils only look to trend upwards. And hmm. also, you know, you're drafting that with that pick, you're drafting a guy two years from now. And then who knows how long after that till that guy makes the NHL you're, you're building for a guy who might play for you in six years. Like, mm-hmm. So it's if if I'm Calgary, I probably say no to this, but I think it's close. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was at when I made it. I was like, yeah, it's it's kind of a 50 50 to toss up. I think it really comes down to, you know, how how much are they ranking draft picks over prospects and then vice versa? Like, how much yeah. do they rank? Like, what do they rank Holtz as? Do they view Holtz as? um a bigger trade piece than a first or do they view a first bigger than Holtz? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure on that. I think like, obviously I think it is a better deal for the devils, but I think if Calgary is set on moving Markstrom, I think that they probably would move Markstrom for this return. Yeah. And that's the thing. If uh, Markstrom had one year left on his deal, I, I completely do that if I'm Calgary, but the fact that he's got, what does he have? Three years left. He's got or, two more after this one. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of this year and then two more. They don't they don't necessarily have to move him. So I think they could hold out for something better. Uh, but if they really want to get Wolf in there now and also want to, you know, try and sell high on Markstrom because maybe they think, uh, especially with moving out a guy like Tanev and maybe Hannafin, uh, you could definitely see Markstrom's numbers go down soon. So exactly. Yeah. If, if they're worried about that. I could definitely see Calgary taking it. Not not to mention that Markstrom made some comments. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was, again, I don't know if it was yesterday or, or earlier today, but he made some comments about how he's he's not happy with how the whole situation is is panning out. And he said he thinks it could be handled a lot better from up top, referring to Flames management. So he's not happy with how this whole situation has been going on over the last, you know, two months now so you know and that and this is after the flame said that they're not going to be moving markstrom they're going to hold on to him but now he makes these comments about how he's unhappy about how management's handling it and then now new jersey is okay with calgary not retaining so i think we're starting to trend towards that a markstrom trade could end up happening i think yeah i i mean we already at this uh start of the season we're kind of seeing a new era for the flames just so many long-term guys uh had been moved out but i think the team's gonna look shockingly different uh come september next year yeah like tanev i think markstrom probably gets moved but they could keep him I think there's a really good chance hannafin's out at this point i don't think he's resigned hannafin's he's gone like by the by the deadline he he's not staying there like yeah. they will trade him so like they're they're going to be a brand new team uh yeah. from what they've been uh over the last 10 years uh at the start of next season and it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do and what they get back because uh yeah. like we talked about before it looks like obviously not immediately but for what they got for Lindholm looks like a great deal for him 
And if they can mm-hmm. get something similar to that, you know, value wise for what they're giving up for the rest of these trades, they could they could be setting themselves up. And you know what? If if they're getting a lot of stuff for the future like that, maybe they don't care if it's a 2025 first. Yeah. Maybe they're they're planning to for the team to be good when, you know, Paws Pistol and Wolf and all these young guys, Connor Zeri, are in their prime and yeah. they can really make a run at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So a lot, lot of moves will become with Calgary and we're obviously going to keep a close eye on on what happens there. Um, So the next one I have, this is a really fun one because I don't think this player... Well, it's tough to say now because they're out of a, they're out of a playoff spot and they are quite a bit behind now. Um, this is a big one, and this is going back to Vegas, and obviously with with Mark Stone out and that all that money of his um, not counting towards the cap, right? And this this is a big one. So St. Louis is trading Pavel Buchnevich, who right. Um, has this year and one year left on his deal, making five point eight million. He goes to Vegas for David Edstrom, who was the very last pick in the first round last year. So in twenty twenty three, he was Vegas's first round pick. Along with that, a twenty twenty four and a twenty twenty five first round pick. I mean. It it sure does line up with what both teams' mo is, right? Yeah, getting a a guy who's looking to be a good prospect, and then two first rounders. That's that's good value. That's that's exactly what St. Louis should be looking for. You know, so a lot of these futures. And I mean, boy, does it does it fit exactly what Vegas has done since they've entered the league? Hey, we have no cap space. Fuck it, let's go get one of the biggest names we can. Like, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for him, especially with uh, having that room mm-hmm. on LTIR and the uh, playoffs not having a cap. I I could one hundred percent see this happening, and I think both teams would take that and run. Yeah, and I and I know a lot of people probably think like, well, it's you're basically trading three first round picks for Buchnevich. David Edstrom is is still kind of an unknown. The the twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five first. Probably going to be very late first round picks again, potentially even 32. If you bring in Buchnevich and Mark Stone comes back magically um, fully healthy. And Buchnevich, the, the fact is he's on a he's on a great deal for what he's putting up for this year and next year. And his numbers would only get better playing on uh on on Vegas. Like you put him with a, a Jack Eichel or even put him with Barbashev, who he, he he knows very well from his time in St. Louis. Like yeah. he he would fit exactly what uh, Vegas is looking for, and I think you know, even though Vegas is obviously a cup favorite, I think they're a top two cup favorite if they bring in Buchnevich, um to to their team. So yeah, I think and I think it's what? a deal both teams would take. I think they would, and you know what? If I'm if I'm St. Louis, I say you know what. There's uh there's two years left on that deal. Would be really nice to have him at fifty percent retained for uh, another first round pick, or a, yeah. a set an, an additional second even. Like if you're not using that cap space, get something yeah. for it. Like absolutely, you know that's exact. Like 
Vegas would probably be excited to hear, hey, you guys are willing to retain for next two years? Like getting Buchnevich for even as low as three million per year. Yeah. Would be insane for them. So And St. Louis I, doesn't even have to move him if you know, if Vegas yeah. like it sounds like Vegas is really interested in him, yeah. but St. Louis could be like no hey. problem throwing every single prospect and pick out the window for something like that. So yeah. I think I think they can ask for a King's ransom and I think they'll get it. Yeah, and if Vegas isn't willing to pay what St. Louis wants, St. Louis can be like, well, we don't have to move him. He's he's under contract with us next year, so we can hold on to him. Or if another team's willing to pay the yeah. price, maybe we'll, we'll send trade him, him to the Oilers and then he'll sink in the playoffs. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so this I like that one, deal a lot though, yeah. Um, so this this obviously is you know this is kind of just taking the some of the biggest names on the trade list and kind of doing deals with them because some of the, some of the other guys a bit on the lower end, uh, you know, uh, to name a few, like, a like an Anthony Duclair, um, you know, an Alexander Carrier, Nick Dowd, um, don't really know kind of what the value is for those, those kind of guys. Like it could be anywhere from, uh, you know, th- those could be guys that could potentially be part of a three team trade, they could be guys who are shipped off for a third. They could be attached with something else for like a first. It's it's hard to tell with those guys. So yeah. Um. So again, another Calgary one because we we know he's for sure getting moved. Um. We did have the one last episode with uh, Noah Hannafin going to Tampa Bay. This one is Noah Hannafin going to Boston. And keep in mind, this is. Um, Hannafin is traded to Boston and Hannafin is, has like agreed to an extension with the Bruins already. So it'll be a Hannafin to the Bruins with an extension. Right. I'm assuming, I'm assuming for eight years, probably Yeah. for a 2025 first. Um, I think you, you could do a 2024 first. Um, Boston has I, I, theirs. I'm assuming then, uh, actually maybe they don't. Hold on, give me one sec. I have a 2025 first down here, but a part of me is actually thinking they do have their first. Um, normally, normally it, that wouldn't crazy. matter, and I uh, wouldn't ask, but uh, I think uh, the Flames would love to have a couple extra first-round picks this year, or at least one good one, because I think they would absolutely love to take projected 14th overall uh, in the draft this year Tig Iginla. Yeah, like that. thing is, 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 I think having an extra first round pick would make them feel a lot better about being able to do that and still taking another guy as well. Yeah. Okay. So, it, so they don't have their first this year. It is a, a 2025 um, first is what they have. The, the this was the issue I ran into in making this deal was the three um, uh, the the three teams that. Um, are involved in the trade the, the, the three teams i was looking at being detroit boston tampa bay none of them have their first round picks right. so it, which kind of made it a bit tough obviously maybe another team um could do it if calgary's set on getting a first for for this year but the deal i have is obviously hannafin with an extension to boston for a 2025 first round pick um boston's probably one of their top prospects um fabian lysel who was drafted 21st overall in 2021 
a 2026 second round pick and Parker Witherspoon. Um, going back to Calgary and this, I, I based this one very similar off what Boston paid for Hampus Lindholm from yeah, Anaheim a couple years ago. That's exactly the trade I thought of when you said that this all comes, of course, with a eight year extension for Hannafin because man, like for how good that team has been, and they're still able to go out and get these great defensemen and sign them for long term is crazy that they're able to do that. Yeah. And so I think that Lintom one was pretty much kind of like a first and a second. Um, I threw Lysel in there because I really do think that Hannafin is a bit more valuable yeah. than Lindholm. Um, I agree. So so basically, yeah, it's a it's a 2025 first, 2026 second, Fabian Lysel, and then Parker Witherspoon, which is just a roster player to make the the contracts work um, yeah. for both teams there. And I think Parker Witherspoon, no, that was Tyler. Never mind. Parker Witherspoon wasn't ever with the Flames. That's that was a different uh, Yeah, I don't think that's a bad return at all. Um, I'm wondering if the Flames could get more, but I don't if think... If there's a get, bidding I, war. I was going to say, it would have to take a nice bidding war because... Like you can't add us another first round pick onto that deal. Then then you're getting a lot for Hannafin. And obviously it does come with uh, the caveat of this team obviously gets them for the next nine years, including an mm-hmm. extension. But yeah, I definitely think there would have to be a big bidding war to get another first out of that. And that's the tough part, Calgary's and with trading Hannafin is I think obviously they would like a first round pick this year. Um the only issue is kind of all like the, the the teams that I'm seeing that are that are in on Hannafin and interested. They don't have their first round pick this year. The only one is really Toronto, but I don't think Toronto is going to make the move for Hannafin because Hannafin isn't going to stay there. It would be a complete rental. Yeah, I um, think I think they were out on him when they got Ilya Labushkin. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and and, and so it's like. It's you basically got to look at Eastern Conference teams because it, I think like Hannafin wants to go in that direction. So you're looking at Eastern Conference teams that are American teams. There's there's not a whole bunch that Hannafin fits in with their team that that has a first round pick this year. So I think with Hannafin, it's gonna be one of those tough ones where you're like, well, shit, like we might have to just suck it up and and take a first for for next year and you know what you never know what that first could end up being so yeah because I, I really do think Hannafin ends up either with Boston Tampa Bay or Detroit I think like those three are are, are kind of the ones that that make the most sense and they're the yeah. teams that are the it's, most interested it's um, it's scaring me a little bit I'm I'm hearing a lot of talk it sounds more and more likely he's coming to Tampa and uh it sounds like uh the ask is a lot. And I mean, Hannafin's a great player. I would love to have him on Tampa, but uh, I, I, think a, I think a large part of it as a Tampa fan is also uh, it's been a long time since we've got to watch. a. We've had some guys within the system come up and be great players for us, you know, Ross Colton's and the like. But very few have, of them have been highly touted and then they make it. Like... They just mm-hmm. kind of show up out of nowhere. Isaac Howard is the first guy we've had and been excited about since Jonathan Druin as an early pick that's worked out for us. Yeah. Like, 
And he is, he definitely seems to be the centerpiece to a lot of these deals. And that makes sense value wise. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I think, would... yeah, I think if Tampa makes, makes a move and gets Hannah Finn, like it, it obviously would like, would have to start with Isaac Howard being the, the bit, one of the big pieces, obviously there'd be more, but like yeah. it would have to start with him. And then again, it's like, yeah, if you're Tampa, do you really want to, you know, in potentially even as early as next year, you have him coming in on three years of, of making like league minimum to a yeah. team that needs every inch of cap space like that. That's huge. And so do you risk, you know, giving that up, especially when you've, you've already got two great left-handed defensemen like it. It's, yeah. And obviously, obviously Sergachev isn't, isn't, is done for the year, but going into next year and the year after like it, I just don't know how well Hannafin fits in there, but nonetheless, the interest is there from both sides. Obviously, I, I do think Tampa, Tampa really him. likes, I think they, they've been looking for that next big left D. I think they love rolling all lines fairly equally and then having our top three defensemen be all on the left side and go one, two, three, instead mm -hmm. of like having the top two on the top line and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if they could maybe get it done with like a, with their, second uh biggest prospect currently in the system uh ethan gautier if you do a uh whichever first we have available next i think it's 2025 i think, I think 2026 uh, i think because they're 2024 and 25 is both this year this year is hagel uh hagel, and next one year. of hagel's is next year also from the hagel trade i know next yeah. year we we definitely don't have ours as well i think chicago um, yeah chicago's got them oh no uh I think Chicago's Chicago only has one left, Toronto. and then the next one is from the Janot trade. Oh, but, uh, yes, Nashville. Yeah, that's right. So I think tw it'd be the 2026 first, and Ethan Gautier, and then you could throw in like a Nick Perbix maybe, but even then, I think you still need probably more. And the tough part is trading that 2026 is um, Tampa's 2025 is top 10 protected, which... You know, not saying well, but anything can happen in this league. We've seen that. Say Tampa Absolutely. finishes with a top ten pick next year, Nashville would get a twenty twenty six first. And I don't know if Calgary's really like shit. Do we do a conditional twenty twenty six? It could get pushed back to twenty twenty seven. Um, I don't. I don't think that's something that they're really, really gonna do. Considering they're trying to do a quick retool on the, on the fly. Like they're not committing to the full rebuild, nor can they really with some of the contracts they've got and the players. So, yeah. Um, and that's why I think they do want sooner picks rather than later, which is why I think it would have to take Isaac Howard, which I yeah. definitely see Brisebois being open to doing uh, yeah. to try and win in the next, another cup sometime in the next four ish years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it gets done and what it could mean for a Stamco signing in the off season as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the last one I have here now is, and I think this one's more likely to happen now, considering Pittsburgh is eight points out of that uh, that final wild, wild card spot. They do have games in hand. They do have five games in hand on Tampa, who holds the last wild card spot. But I don't the, like the. I just don't see Pittsburgh making the playoffs anymore this season. Um, if they do, I don't see them doing much damage either. Yeah, like. It's it's crazy to write off a team with Crosby. Like at any moment he could turn it on and he could rally the boys that they could go on a run. But from what we've seen, 
doesn't look like it's happening. Yeah. So this is this is the last one I have here, and this is probably um, the biggest I think of of the the four that I have here. So Jake Gensel, and again, this one is also assuming there's an extension going to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange Ooh. for a 2024 first round pick, Oscar Olison who was drafted 28th overall by the Avalanche in 2021, a 2025 third-round pick, and defenseman Bowen Byram. I was hoping you were going to have Bowen Byram in there. Going to the Pittsburgh Penguins and then Jake Gensel to the Avs, assuming an eight-year extension at, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what Colorado. Whatever, whatever the number. Would, yeah. Eight and a half, nine. Some, Eight and a half or nine would be fair. It's it's Colorado, so he's pro- it'd probably be eight and a half, just because they they get they're one of those teams they get deals on players. Yeah, and now uh, before I know, because I know there's going to be a lot of people who will be like, "Oh, why would Colorado trade by him?" First of all, d- like d- dude's career could be done at any moment um, due to those concussions and whatnot. Second of all, they've already got Kale McCarr, they've got Sam Gerrard. Both of them are locked in for four years. They've got Josh Manson for three more years. He has a no-trade clause. And then they've got Devon Taves, who just started the first year. Or no, he hasn't even started his his extension yet that kicks in next year. So really, Bowen Byram is, is capped out at, at being a bottom pair guy. Yeah, and if he does move up, up, then are you going to pay, you know, because who, who's their, their uh, other lefties? Like, are you going to put Sam Gerrard making five mil? For four years, there's a 25-year-old on your bottom pair? No. Like, I think Bowen Barnes has kind of found himself as the odd, the odd out. guy out. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a lot to get. Like, uh, Jake Gensel is worth a ton, in my opinion. I think a lot of people are underestimating how much he would return. But two firsts, Bowen Byram, and what was the other piece? Uh, a third? Yeah. Yeah, the, the third is kind of one of those those franchise mode um, yeah. extras. Oh, um, that, before we continue on with that, we actually do have a trade that just happened. All right, breaking um, news, breaking news. The New Jersey Devils have acquired oh. defenseman Curtis McDermott from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange Massive. for a 2024 seventh-round pick and forward Zakhar Bartikov. Wow. Um, that deal, that deal just, just happened. Just broke like 30 seconds ago. Man, when people are talking about this in 20 years, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be like, man, remember when that broke on the stick em up podcast? Right. Exactly. Huge moves. Um, <laughs> um, I do like that deal for, uh, for both sides though. Like the, uh, I, re- I really do because it sounds like the the price for Gensel as of right now, if he is moved, is either multiple first round picks or a first round pick and like a, a an A plus prospect, like one of the best prospects yeah. coming into the league. So instead of this, because Colorado obviously doesn't have that, it's a first, uh, a, I would say like a B plus to an A minus prospect. He, he was a late first a couple years ago. The third is kind of just an extra throw-in, 
And then Bowen Byram is kind of the, the big roster piece going back to Pittsburgh as part of their, you know, kind of get shit f- fixed and then go in next year and, and try and win it all. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think they, uh, it would be good for them to have more first round picks, get some prospects built up because they notoriously, uh, outside of Braden Yeager, they have very, very few prospects. And yeah. and that's fair because they've had to trade so many because they're trying to compete. And, you know, for a bit, it worked there. They got back-to-back cups yeah. with Crosby still around. So exactly, it worked for a bit, but their, their core of uh, Latang, Malk, and Crosby is getting very old at this point. And I want Pittsburgh to stay where they're at, though. Like, I don't... I want them to do a little bit better because, like, I really want their first this year going to San Jose and having it be like 11, 12, 13, which is kind of right where they're at right now. Yeah. And I feel like if you move out Gensel, could lead to some other guys getting moved and they could just, <laughs> you know, tank the season. And then, because it was looking like at first San Jose was going to have three first round picks because I was, I thought Penguins were for sure, you know, going to make the playoffs. I thought New Jersey was a lock to win the, the presence and then probably win the cups. So I was like, Oh, there's three first round picks for San Jose, but obviously now it's might end up just being one, but I think Gensel probably does get moved at this point now though. I I think so. I think all it takes is, and it depends on how they play immediately, like their next three or four games are if huge. They, if they win four games in a row and Tampa loses another two or something like they're, they're, they might keep them. And I think there's a good chance that they do if that happens. But if they go one and three in their next four before the deadline, then I think they're, uh, they're pretty much forced to move him out because unless he, they really want to resign him, which it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, you got to get something for him. And if that, I think if that would be an ask like that, I think that's a lot to get back from. So I would, I would take it on both sides. Um, the mm-hmm. abs having another guy who can play at that elite level. Is like if your absurd. first line is, is Gensel, um, McKinnon and, and Ranton, that is gross. That is filthy. And if, if they don't go for Gensel, Colorado will for sure go for a second line center, someone who can, uh, be that, that second line center. I honestly could see them looking to San Jose and trying to get Mikhail Granlund who, has this year and one more year, so it's not a, just a pure rental. Um, but Colorado's got to do something to to add to their forward, so it's not just McKinnon and Rantanen and McCarr. The three of you, you have to do all the work for us throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Um, with Pittsburgh, their season, in my opinion, hinges on tomorrow. We are th- like this. We're recording this um, on the Friday. Th- this is obviously isn't out at our usual time of noon. Um, I was moving all day yesterday into a new place, so we just didn't really have the time to to get it going. But so tomorrow, um, Tampa Bay plays Montreal in Tampa. Assuming Tampa Bay wins that game, Pittsburgh later that night plays Calgary in Calgary, where they're actually um, retiring Mika Kippersoft's number thirty-four. Yeah. Um, if if Tampa Bay wins. That would put them 10 points ahead of Pittsburgh for that final wildcard spot. If Pittsburgh goes up against Calgary, who's obviously not a playoff team this year, if they lose that game, 
like you're, you know, five days out from the trade deadline. If and you're ten points back, I I, I just don't see a world in, in which you you make the playoffs. I really don't. Like it's possible, obviously, but is it going to happen? Probably not. So, I think tomorrow really is is it for Pittsburgh? Like if you know yeah. if if Tampa loses and Pittsburgh wins. Okay, if if Tampa wins, Pittsburgh wins. I think they're still in it. But if Pittsburgh loses, like that, like that, that's could be their season right there. And then I think for sure, it's well, yeah, we might as well get get an absolute haul back for Jake Gensel at this point. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of teams that are kind of close to that wild card spot over in the over in the uh, East. And, you know, so mm-hmm. only two points ahead of Toronto, of uh, Tampa is Detroit. And Detroit plays the in, the in-division Panthers that day as well. Uh, Rangers and Maple Leafs play. The Sens are playing the Flyers. Like, there's a lot of inter-conference games happening that day. And if many of those go to overtime, so there's three points going out, if there's a lot of uh, just bad bounces for uh, who they need to win, and, you know, a lot of the teams, you know, the Flyers win, Kind of make some ground on them. I guess, yeah, the Flyers, they yeah. could catch the Flyers because the Flyers are at 69, but the Flyers are technically points wise below Tampa and Detroit, but they are in the third metro spot. But so, even then, Pittsburgh would have to, to beat out the Flyers, the Devils, the Islanders, and exactly. the Capitals, which yeah. again is, is tough. Yeah. So it's, it's not looking great for them. Um, that being said, they have played well this year. Uh, they are a plus 14 goal differential, uh, above them in the standings. The capitals are minus 33 above them in the standings. The Islanders minus 25 above them. Devils minus seven above them. Tampa in the wild card at zero. And like I said, Pittsburgh's at plus 14. They've got a better goal differential than all of them. And maybe they got some blowouts against some bad teams. I don't remember, but. Maybe uh maybe they're not winning as many games as the numbers maybe uh suggest they should. So you know, yeah. If, if anyone can turn it on and get the boys going at the right time, it is Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Um it's it's a tough it's a tough it's hill tough to climb with about, with about twenty to twenty-five games left in the season for each team. And yeah, yeah there's a lot of games and a lot of interconference games. Uh, tomorrow so i definitely agree that that would uh that would definitely be a massive uh turning point of maybe if you lose to them and especially you know what they have a back-to-back uh tomorrow and on sunday uh they play the flames and then they head up to edmonton and play the oilers yeah on, totally. after that so you know what if they get zero or one points out of uh those two games i think they're done i think that's probably it I think, I think they wait until after the back-to-back and they look at where they are after that and they go, okay, we got to make the call. Or if they're still competitive, they go, let's, uh, let's try and ride it out. And you know that's going to ruin Kyle Dubas because all he likes to do is, is go out and get the big-name players. Whatnot. He's not used to having to, to trade one away. Um, and, and also, like, again, because I do think it's going to happen. If New Jersey gets Markstrom and then they add a, a defense, and like obviously not Curtis McDermott, who they just did, but 
uh, who could end up actually being a guy that Matt Rempe fights. Um, Curtis McDermott is a, is a, a big, strong defenseman. But like if New Jersey adds Markstrom and then a, you know a, a bottom pairing defenseman, maybe a maybe a top four guy, there's no way Pittsburgh jumps over them. No way. Yeah. So, like it's it's really they they got to walk away with with four points this weekend. Yeah, they got to walk away at, at the minimum, minimum three points. Yeah. And yeah, and I I don't know, man. It's I think I think by end of uh, end of Sunday this weekend at the start of uh, Monday, we'll uh, know which way the Penguins are looking to go. That being said, since yeah. Dubas has come on, he has said nothing, and of course he has to say it, but he has said nothing. But we are trying to win, and I don't think he wants to start a rebuild there. Well, you can't. Uh, and I mean, he he kind of has to, like when you you know, go out before the season and you trade for Eric Carlson, like you're, you're very clearly all in on winning. And the fact Carlson was willing to go there because he could see a chance of winning. And now if you're like, Kale, now we got to rebuild now. Like, I feel like as long as you've always got Crosby on your team, you have to be going for it. And then if you decide, you know what, we're going for a rebuild, then do you just you know, do you let Crosby, Malkin, Latang finish their season on a on a mediocre Penguins team? Do you trade them? Can you find a team that's going to take Eric Carlson in his ten million? I get it's a tough position they're in, but at the same yeah. time, they they did get their you know three cups with that kind of main core. They did have that back to back. So, yeah. Their future and a couple of the jobs in the uh, management side might be in danger, but uh, I think I think Penguins fans are pretty happy with what they've gotten as far as the on-ice product goes in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm seeing a lot of people saying that this Curtis McDermott move for Colorado was to clear up cap space, so mm. open up a little bit of extra cap room. So we'll see what... Uh... What what that might lead to if they're opening up cap space? Got to make got to make you think that there's there's something that could maybe could maybe be in the works or something that they're they're looking towards. Yeah, it uh, it looks like we're see we're finally starting to see more and more teams uh, say that they're officially looking for stuff. You know, uh, going towards the trade deadline. Um, I know yeah. there's there's been quite a lot of things saying uh like yeah. You just you literally Google NHL trades. The top thing is uh, Oilers GM Ken Holland uh, is has lots of irons in the fire. Yeah. So, uh, and we we know they were gonna make some sort of move. You got to when you have McDavid and Drysaddle in the the contract positions they're in, and they're in their prime, and you got to get something going. Yeah. Um, as good as they are, have already been this year. You know you. The Stanley Cup, man, you got to make moves. You got to really make that push to get there. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll see what uh, what happens and yeah, actually gets moved exactly. Um, so before we finish up here, before we jump into the the, the last bit, being the the leaders, um, points leaders and standings, I'm just going to list off some of the the guys who are at the top of the the trade bait list for this year's deadline. Okay. I just want you to tell me where where you think they might end up going, or where where you could see them at least being a fit. Okay. 
Um, so we obviously kind of talked about Noah Hannafin in depth, obviously. Um, number two on the list is Adam Henrique. I I could see him going to the Avalanche. I, I yeah. If if they don't get Gensel, I think he's probably going there. Um, yeah, my, I I think either the Avs or the Rangers is is my the Rangers for make I sense. I could maybe even see him going to the Bruins, but I don't know if they need him necessarily. I, Bruins could could be an could be a sleeper one actually. I yeah, I wouldn't rule out the Bruins because they could use an extra center. Um, Jake Gensel is three. We obviously talked about him. Yeah. Number four. Oh, oh, actually, we'll go back to Jake Gensel for a second. Do you think the the Oilers could could snag him? I I think they could. I think they'd have to clear out a lot of the cupboards to do it. But and I know a, a lot of people are like, why would they do that? They need to get a consistent goalie. They need defense. I get that, but. You can outscore your problems if you're good enough. Yeah. And Jake Gensel is a guy that can help you do that. And we know, and so many teams have the issue of, is Gensel going to be able to produce for us the way he did for the Penguins? Well, he's going. he'll be going from playing with Sidney Crosby to either McDavid or Dreisaitl. So the yeah. answer is yes. We Easy. know he can play with these top, top-tier players in the league. Yeah. So I, I would love that move for them. It would... It would take multiple first round picks, probably at least one, and then probably, you know, some of their biggest prospects. But I think they could get it done. I think I, I agree. I think it would take multiple first round picks because they don't have that like that Bowen Byron type guy. Um, yeah. Like, sure, they've they've got, you know, prospects who are former first round picks. But you look at them, a lot of them are struggling in the yeah. You know, in juniors or in the AHL, or even the ones that have gotten a chance to play in the NHL, they are struggling. So their prospects that should be their their top guys and have high value don't really have that much. So yeah, it, it would take multiple. Philip firsts. Broberg would probably, uh, probably be in there. Maybe. Um, yeah. Twenty two years old, went eighth overall to Edmonton. He, he sounds like he's going to be pretty good. Um, maybe not eighth overall good, but I think he the could definitely thing be is, involved if they're not sending out multiple firsts. But the I, thing is with I think if probably Edmonton can get him, they should. Yeah, I think the thing is also an extension and then paying him that much, especially you guys, you got like Bouchard up in a couple of years. He's going to get a big pay raise. McDavid and Dreisaitl, as much as they're making, they're going to get big pay raises. So... Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Edmonton's out of the equation on Jake Gensel, but I think if Colorado's in on it, I think Colorado can can uh, can offer way more than Edmonton and Pittsburgh. It d- doesn't care who. Like if they're trading them, it's it's going to be to the Western Conference, and they don't care which team it is. They're going to take the best offer, and I think if if yeah. Colorado and Edmonton are in it, I think Colorado can offer up more. So yeah, if push comes to uh, shove and both teams are very serious. I think Colorado's got to win the bidding war. Yeah. Uh, number four on the list, Vladimir Tarasenko, who I think is, is pretty obvious he will be traded out of uh, out of Ottawa, given them being horrific. Yeah. And I could, I could maybe see him, I don't think with an extension in place. I think probably with salary retained as well. Um. I could maybe see him going to like a, a Carolina. That, they, that was mine, seem, was Carolina. 
they seem to pretty consistently need some scoring wingers. Um, well, Tarasenko is not what he's it. been in the past, but we know <laughs> he can put up some numbers on the wing. Well, and, and also, like in the offseason, it was like pretty much a done deal that Tarasenko was signing with Carolina. I don't know what happened for it to fall apart, but like there's obviously mutual interest from both sides for him playing there. So I could very well see him being like, yeah, I'll go and, and, and join him for a, for a playoff run. So I think if Ter and a guy with Tarasenko, like Ottawa signed him for one year, it was either they make the playoffs with him or they trade him. It's not like a, a, a Jake Gensel or a Noah Hannafin, like where they don't want to trade him within the conference. They'll trade him to whatever team's offering the most, whether that's same division or not. Um, yeah. And, and I think Carolina probably ha like, they obviously have interest. And I think if Tarasenko got asked, Hey, where would you be comfortable going or where would you want? I think Carolina's probably near the top of that list. Yep. Yeah. I completely um, agree. It, it looks like a match made in heaven, really. Yeah. Uh, we'll just do probably the top 10 on this list here. Uh, number five, obviously Jacob March. And we talked about him. Number six, right. uh, Sean Walker. Sean Walker is one of those guys that could, you could almost list every team that's playoff bound and it would make sense. Like, yeah, he, cause I don't believe he's making a ton of money. Um, 2.6, 2.6, very manageable. And he also, he just plays such a good shutdown game, blocks shots like a madman. Uh, it's it's almost hard to say because like, like just looking at the standings here, looking at every team in the playoffs, like Tampa could use them, Detroit could use them. Like obviously the he's with the Flyers. The Hurricanes are one of the few teams where I don't see him going because they already have a ton of defensemen. But like, yeah, Panthers, Bruins, Leafs, the Stars got Tanev already, so they don't need him. But like. I, I could see him go to a lot of places. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that it's hard because so many teams could use him. The thing I'm interested in is Philly doesn't obviously take a ton to get probably like at well the not least, after he the, take up the he doesn't take up a lot of cap space and yeah, yeah he's probably getting less than Tanev and Tanev didn't even cost a first so well and that's the thing is is Philly was probably like Danny Breer was probably punching holes in the wall because he wanted a first for for Sean Walker. And now when Chris Tanev goes for a second-hand prospect, there's there's no way Philly can be like, yeah, a first for Walker, because I don't think any team would pay a first, seeing that they could have gotten Tanev for for less. Um, if I had to pick a team for Sean Walker, it would have probably actually been Toronto. But with Labushkin deal, I don't know now if they really make another move for defensemen. Um, so if it's yeah. not, if it's not going to be Toronto... Detroit, I could maybe see, but they've got a lot of like they'd have to send like an Oli Mata back the other way, and and so I think they'd have to pay a little extra to to get um, Philly to take on his his contract. Um, Dallas, obviously not. Yeah, I could see him going to Tampa, but like especially after the Tanev deal, I don't think they're gonna like what they're getting back. You know, it'd be a it'd probably be yeah. a a Nick Perbix and a third. Like, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Edmonton looks towards him now that, that Tanev's off the market. If you can find a way to, you know, even if you got to yeah. offer the same thing, a first in Cody Cece, 
to to get Sean Walker. Like I, I I could see that being being a possibility. And you know what? I like that move for both teams. Um, number and, seven, and Pavel Buchnik. Oh, you know sorry, that Kyle. I've just wanted to bring up that Kyle Dubas freaking loves bringing old guys back. He loves that band the boys back together shit. And you yeah. know he'd love to bring in a, a Cody CC back in. Yeah. I don't even know if CC was, a, I think CC was around while he was uh, in charge for a good bit in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he loves bringing guys back. So I could definitely see it. Yeah. Um, number seven, we kind of talked about Pavel Buchnevich, but is there any other team that kind of speaks to you that you think could could make a big push for him? Um, so we already talked about uh, the Avalanche and the Oilers. Um, no, for Buchnevich, uh, we it was just Vegas. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, for Buchnevich, um, uh, that I can, I can just if i can just picture uh him in a bruins jersey mm-hmm. um i feel like the bruins just like they can just like pick up whoever you know they just go and up Boston and they, has just, the they just randomly pick up wingers defensemen as they please and i mean you know people probably say that about tampa too we grab random dudes all the time that we seem to have no business in getting but good 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 wording on that yeah, right. <laughs> so I I could see him going going to a a Boston though. Um, I mean, uh, very similar to Tarasenko, he could go to Carolina. You know, a good scoring winger. Um, mm-hmm. Hell, you know what? If they could make the numbers work, I'm sure a lot of the Rangers players and fan base would love to see him go back. Yeah, and and. I mean, Rangers is a tough one because, again, obviously that they they refuse to trade their first this year. But I yeah. think they've got pieces that they could could move to to get Buchnevich. So, and maybe um, it, it comes down to how serious are you about winning the cup this year? You know, yeah. Does, uh, do you think St. Louis takes Lafreniere for Buchnevich straight up? Maybe throw in a third. Probably, actually. And you know what they. Obviously, the Blues are getting more uh, potential value, but if the Rangers win a cup, I don't think they really care. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Um, um, number eight, Anthony Duclair. The Duke. The Duke. He's he's a little bit lower in the lineup than some of the other guys we've been talking about. Honestly, yeah. I think he might he's actually pretty be closer to Tarasenko than steady drop off. Think. I will uh, say he has he has improved his uh, trade value a bit with you know hurdling Couture down. Duclair's really kind of stepped up and had to take on a, a, a big chunk of the the offense for the team. Um, yeah. But again, he probably again I think is, he might be one of those guys that's part of a, maybe a bigger deal. deal. Yeah. He's only making three million though, so it is it is a very manageable contract that could even go down to one and a half if you you offer up the right price. I I could see him going to a a New York Islanders if they're really looking to make that push, uh, maybe with an some sort of extension like a like a four year extension 
kind of put together. Um, so they kind of have him for the future as well. I, in in theory, I like the idea of him going to Tampa. I do like, I do like his game, and he seems like the kind of play, like depth player that we would love to have. But I don't think the numbers would work, especially since I don't know what an extension would look like at all for him. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. is he staying? Do you think he's staying around three mil? Is he going up to four, four and a half, something like that? I think I think for an extension, probably comes in at about around the four and a half. Like I could see a yeah. a four year extension, like four and a half per year. Um, if, if I had to pick two teams, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers make a move to bring him back. And that could be part of a, a bigger deal that could see, you know, Duclair going to the Rangers and back to San Jose would be whatever prospect, um, maybe two prospects. And then obviously not their first this year, but a 2025 first, and then you'd have to attach something and then to include Barclay Goodrow in that deal. So Goodrow would go back to San Jose as well. Um, yeah. But then that obviously clears that that bad contract off of of the that Rangers would, books. So that would be really nice for them to get out from under that contract. And then like, I, I, was, I could I was so happy for Goodrow and his agent when they signed that deal because Yeah. Like, you knew it was an overpay at the time, but you can't you like if if you want to see a team overpay, first of all, it's the Rangers because Oh yeah. Absolutely. And second of all, it's like, yeah, when you see a player that you like and you're like, man, you know what? Good for him for, for getting the bag that he shouldn't be getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm a player in the league and I'm maybe a little hesitant on who my agent is and I'm in the market, I'm I'm looking at Barclay Goodrow's agent because that guy's going <laughs> to yeah. get you the money you want. Yeah. Um, another team that I think could make sense, barring they don't get Jake Gensel, could be the Edmonton Oilers because I think, you know... If you've got a guy like Duclair who's got the speed with McDavid, that that could be pretty um that that could work out pretty well, but never know. Uh obviously I don't think you would uh like like the idea of the trade because it's a very close team, but what do you think about him going to the Kings? The Kings, yeah. I, I could realistically see quite a few teams in the Pacific Division. I could see the Kings, and I and I could also see Vegas going for him. And I'm I'm torn because I would I honestly think if you're going to trade Duclair, you need to get a, a decent amount back for him because he's made it clear he's willing to s- stick around on this horrible Sharks team um, as they're they're going through this rebuild. I think you can get him f- for a decent price, and all the young guys talk about how much they look up to him and he's i i don't want to say daddy but like (laughs) it's something along that he's kind of taken on like a dad role with the team for these young guys um so i think if if they can keep him for the right price i wouldn't even be opposed to him staying in san jose uh but i think it's he's most likely he gets traded and there's a very good chance that yeah it's it's it could be a within the division trade and and that's the thing, though. You look at Edmonton, uh, uh, L.A., and Vegas. I think all of them actually do have solid pieces that that could be very, very enticing for for the Sharks. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. Um, depending on what the return would be, I guess. Yeah, would be a big I, part. I we so rarely see it, like very rarely. Um, and I wish we saw it more, even if it is a, a weird move. <laughs> But like a guy who's like, I'm willing to stay here and I'd like to stay here. Um, 
I think I think it would be so baller for them to be like, if you want to come back, there will be a there will be a seven by four point five waiting for you when you get back, and they trade him for a a second and a third or a first or whatever he's worth, mm-hmm. and then they sign him back in the off season, and they've already got the contract ready, and I mean I'd that's. That's and obviously, especially for the player, that's so sketchy because like you don't know if that's actually going to, especially if you get injured. Uh, yeah. But man, it would it would be so cool, and like I just feel like that would make a player such an instant fan favorite. Of like, you're like, yeah, I'll I'll get traded, especially if they're waving like a trade clause, and they're like, I'll get traded, and they go somewhere else, and you you get some assets back for them. And then they just come right back in the off season. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that really shows you're loyal to the team. And obviously the team wants to keep you back and you get some assets to boot. Yeah. Especially if you're taking assets from, you know, the Kings or something for the, the sharks case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Oilers could definitely see it happening. Uh, the only I could see it happening with Vegas. The only reason I don't is because they just love getting the biggest name possible. Exactly. I they're go- I feel like they're going to get somebody that they should have no business being in talks with. Yeah. Uh, Jake Gensel could very well go to Vegas. Yeah. It's not out of the question. Um. So what what do I got here? Um. Just just a couple more names. Um. Alexander Carrier. Uh, from Nashville. I don't really have a I, clear indication of where he could go. I, was I could say, see a Toronto, but after Labushkin, I, I don't know. He uh, He's not a massive needle mover, so it's kind of hard to predict. Um, if the Avs don't go in on a massive name like Gensel or, or Buchnevich or something like that, I could see... I could see the Avs picking up, you know, a couple guys instead of that one big guy, you know, pick up Carrier and then maybe a uh, a Henrique or a Frank Vitrano or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could see them putting a, you know, bringing two or three new guys in and shoving them all on the third or fourth line, just getting a bunch of depth. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's a thing is as, as I think any playoff team could could be in the mix for carriers, so I don't really have a clear um, indication. I think Toronto's probably still at the top of my list, but again, after Labushkin, it's it's tough to really say how interested they still are. Yeah. Um, just a couple more. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, which he has two years left, so there's no immediate need for for Ottawa to move him. Could even be a a, a draft day move so i don't know if he really even gets moved honestly i was saying in in my in my mind the the answer is the senators i i think he sticks around at least for another year Uh, at least the rest of this season he'll he'll be there he spent a lot of time not knowing where he was gonna go and i don't imagine he loves having more of that that being said he didn't sign a he hasn't signed a huge extension or anything so if yeah. if there's a spot for him there where he can make enough money to be happy, I think he's probably wanting to kind of put down some roots finally in the NHL. 
Yeah, yeah, I I really do think he's. It's if he gets moved, it's you know trade deadline next year or or at the draft or something. But yeah, I don't see him uh, him getting getting moved. Um, just two more here. Uh, Nick Dowd from Washington, Nick who reportedly Dowd. wants a first round pick for him. Ooh, I don't know if they're getting a first round pick for Nick Dowd. Yeah, and the only reason I could see them maybe arguing for that is because he is only making one point three million. He's a great bottom six center, and he is signed for this year and next year at only one point three. So, and a good penalty killer. He he seems like one of those guys that I he could go to a lot of teams that could use him on the third line, but I think instead he ends up going to a team that has a really good top six uh six defensemen and he kind of rotates in almost as a seventh for like playoff depth nicked out yeah i could he's a he's a forward he's a forward oh i thought you said yeah. he was a i thought you said he was a defenseman oh you probably got nick you're probably thinking of nick sealer oh i totally am yeah yeah no nicked out uh for, fourth i mean fourth I would put him as a fourth line center. You can make the argument it was a bottom six, but realistically, fourth line center, good penalty killer. He's not playing on the uh, third line. Yeah, I don't know why he's even this high as he is on on the list. Um, probably just because of his contract. But again, like yeah, because I is think a good any contract. playoff, I think any playoff team is probably sniffing around him to kind of see what the price would be. But I don't, I don't think any team gives up a first for him. Yeah, I think, you know, Florida, Boston, Toronto, Rangers, Carolina, Philadelphia, like every one of these teams, it's like if they're looking to go deep in the playoffs, I could definitely see them picking him up as just more depth guy, good defensively, like Dallas, Jets, Colorado, Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton. I, literally all these teams, maybe only Philadelphia is the only one there that I just listed that I mm-hmm. wouldn't be it necessarily. And that's just because I think they're overachieving a bit yeah and if, if he does get moved for a first i think it'll be like very identical to the barclay goodrow trade where san jose trades him and a third to tampa bay for a first and that first obviously ended up being you know the very last pick of the of the first round 31 overall so i could maybe see something like that being like hey yeah you know We'll trade you Nick Dowd and, and our third round pick for your first. I could maybe see that happening because he yeah. does have that that extra year on his deal after this one. But um, yeah, I could I could see them getting a first for him if they're also willing to kind of send a pick back to kind of mitigate some of that. So they get their high pick that they want, but also not quite the full value of it because you're sending away a draft pick later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one we'll do here before we we uh go go through all the leaders is San Jose's leading point scorer leading now, point scorer Mikhail Granlund uh two years left on his deal or yeah he's got he's got this year left and next year left on his deal at five million which could potentially be be retained because San Jose does have that one uh retention spot open but and I mean a, a guy that's got 35 points in, in 45 games and is, I mean, I don't look in a plus minus too much, but is only a minus 10 
on a Sharks team that has a goal differential of minus 104. Yeah. You know, I, I could, I, there, I think there could be some interest from some teams. And if I had to pick one, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado is because they really need to figure out that second line center spot that has been a big hole since Kadri left. So yeah. I think if I think if they miss out on Gensel, I think they're they might make a move for Granlund to, to you know kind of buff out that that second line. Yeah, I could I could see it um, definitely there. I think it might be a team a team that has two really solid one two centers could go for it uh, and have him be a fantastic third line mm-hmm. uh, center. You know, um, an Edmonton, if they're splitting up Dreisaitl and McDavid, um, you know, maybe even like the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I would have said Vancouver, but I guess they've already got Patterson, Miller, and Lindholm. Um, I assume yeah, well, Winnipeg's got Shifley, Monaghan, and Lowry, so they don't really have Yeah, more. Yeah, I guess they don't want to move Monaghan down. He's been great for him so far. Yeah, really, like the only team that comes to mind, I'm like, he 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 makes a good fit is really Colorado because they're desperate for a a second line center. Yeah, it's it's hard to not say the same teams over and over because the teams, a lot of the teams that have the cap space don't have a ton of depth, you know, like the uh, Colorados and stuff of the league, mm-hmm. um, and they don't fit on the teams that have a ton of depth a lot of the time. So, especially those teams that uh, don't have cap space because they have the depth. So Boston could potentially. Yeah, I could definitely they, see them going to Boston. They could use they could use some center help. Yeah, we've been saying it since, but Bergeron even mentioned retiring. Uh, yeah, that they're in the market for a center. I think they still are, even though they've been doing great this year. Yeah, even though like um, Zach and Coyle have been good, you can obviously upgrade from those guys. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps up just some of the bigger names on the, on the list. I think we might do, do an early one next weekend, really kind of depending on how this weekend goes, all what, what happens there. But, uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up, uh, most of our, our trade talk leading up to the, the trade deadline for this season. Um, and then all that's left is, uh, kind of going through the, you know, the race and the standings and, uh, points leaders where, it's kind of crazy that we're we're at the we're not even at the trade deadline and potentially even before the trade deadline day hits we've already got a 50 goal score and we could have three players at 100 plus points like that's that's just absurd that's crazy to me yeah it's it's been an insane year for uh for scoring in the league um We've talked about it a couple times. Scoring's going up in the league, and it only seems to be going up even more. Um, yeah. But uh, getting into that, the uh, leading scorers in the league currently uh, for points. Um, in first is Nikita Kucherov with 104 points. In second, Nathan McKinnon with 100 points. And in third, Connor McDavid with 94 points. Starting to close that gap a bit there. Uh, McDavid's got multi-point games in his last like six or seven, I think. Um, yeah. for, for goals, uh, Austin Matthews, 53 goals before the trade deadline. 
uh, in first, obviously. Uh, in second, Sam Reinhart with 41. And in third, uh, Zach Hyman with 40. And for goalies with a minimum games played of 35, um, goals saved above expected, uh, we got... Um, should I go per 60? Yes. Yes, yeah. I should. Because we have the minimum games played. Uh, goals saved above expected per 60 minutes. Uh, that uh, Connor Hellebuck is in first with 0.727. Uh, in second, Jacob Markstrom with 0.515. And in third, Thatcher Demko with 0.391. Uh, Hellebuck's pretty high up. I mean, he's almost doubled the guy in third. Like it, it is yeah. absolutely his Vesna to lose. Uh, for save percentage, uh, we got uh, Connor Hellebuck in first with a 924, Joey Decord with a 919, and Sergey Bobrovsky with a 916 in third place. It's uh, yeah, Demko has played very well this season, and he's played more average than bad as of late he's mm -hmm. not he's you know taken a small step back but he's still probably going to be a finalist for the vesna but it was really a two-horse race for the vesna for a bit and yeah it's absolutely hell bucks to lose at this point yeah 100 um, yeah that's all the uh the, all the stats i got there um except for the uh overall standings for the teams um so for the uh three teams uh in each division for the wild, not the wild card for the uh, division spots for the playoffs. Uh, the Florida Panthers and Boston Bruins both have 84 points. The Toronto Maple Leafs have 76 uh, in the Metro. The Rangers have 83. The Hurricanes have 78 and the Flyers have 69. Nice. nice. Uh, in the wild card for the East, we have, uh, two other teams from the Atlantic. We have Detroit with 72 points and Tampa with 70. And, and really then, only four teams that are kind of going to be contending with them or yeah. in the hunt, I would say. Yeah, they're they're looking to come up on them. They've they've all got games in hand on both Detroit and even more on Tampa, but they're all six points back. They're all at 64 or lower. So mm -hmm. uh, they got the games in hand, but they got to win those games for them to matter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in the oh, Western and the, Conference. Those, those teams being the, the Devils, the Islanders, the Capitals, and the Penguins, all yeah. um, respectively at 64, 64, 63, and then 62 points. And you know what? I'll throw the Buffalo Sabres in there as well because they're at 60 points. Uh, they're only, they're only two behind the Penguins. It's not <laughs> it's not very likely. But yeah. they're 6-4-0 and in their last 10, and that's better than every team above them until you get to Detroit. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. Um, in the Western Conference, uh, in the Central Division, we have uh, Dallas Stars with 81 points, the Jets with 79, and the Avalanche also with 79. In the Pacific, we have Vancouver with 83, Vegas with 73, and Edmonton with 72. And then in the wildcard spot, we have the LA Kings with 70 from the Pacific, and the Nashville Predators with also 70 from the Central Division. Um, it's a bit further out uh, over in the West because the Flames, uh, like I said, both the wildcard spots are 70 apiece. Um, yeah. Below them is 
the Flames, Blues, and Kraken, all with 63 points. They are all seven points out. Uh, Minnesota Wild with 62. Um, those are the only ones vying for a playoff spot at this point. You know, yeah. I'm sure Arizona was in it until they lost 14 in a row. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah it's it's a very exciting year for like pretty much every trophy race, uh, the playoff race, like the president's trophy, you looked like it was locked up. The Vancouver Canucks had 10 points over every other team in the league a couple weeks ago. And then all of a sudden they lost a bunch of games and now they are at 83. And yeah, the Panthers and Bruins both have 84. And Rangers are tied for them at 83. So the the only trophy that's really locked up at this point, unless they either of them fall off a cliff, is the Vesna for Hellebuck and the Rocket for Matthews. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh it's very exciting to see uh where a lot of those awards are gonna land and uh, who makes the playoffs. Also like just looking at some of the potential matchups we could already be getting in in round one. Like if the playoffs, you know were to start today or like a couple of days from now. We could be getting like yeah, Florida versus Tampa, which is always exciting. Boston and Toronto, like what more needs to be said on that? And then the West, you have Colorado versus Winnipeg or Colorado versus Dallas or maybe even Winnipeg and Dallas because they're all, they're all right in there. Like they're either tied or two points separated. And then the Pacific, probably we're looking at Vegas and Edmonton again. Like the first round is going to be is going to be one one for the ages this year. It's it's starting to shape yeah. up. Like, yeah, it's it's absolutely going to be fantastic. We're going to get a couple different matchups that we haven't seen um, too much lately. We're going to get some big time matchups. Some big time matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'd I'd rather face Florida in the as a Tampa fan. I'd rather have them fl- face Florida than Toronto or Boston in the first round. Oh, okay. Which might be psychotic. They are an incredible team. They're nine one and zero in their last ten. Yeah, <laughs> they sh- they shit rocked us a couple weeks ago. But if there's anyone that's got their number, though, I, th- I think it is Tampa. Yeah, and boy, would it be nice to put up another playoff win against them. Yeah, just add, add to the long list. Um, but yeah, I, that's pretty much all we got here. Yeah, yeah, I think that covers everything. Um. Like we said, you know, pay attention to the games throughout the weekend. Uh, we'll keep up to date on any trade news or rumors. And then if, if we feel like there's enough um, put on the table this weekend, we might come back early next week with some more, uh, some more extra kind of uh, deadline stuff. And if not, we'll have our, you know, I don't think we've really figured out how we're going to do our episode for next week um, because the, the trade deadline is taking place uh, on Friday a week from today. So we're not sure if we want to do our usual upload at the same time on Friday, or if maybe we want to wait until the dust is settled from uh, the trade deadline and maybe uh, some will come out later on the Friday. Um, you know, we'll kind of do a, an immediate recap of the whole deadline day. I don't, we, we haven't really figured that out yet, but I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that covers everything for this episode today. Uh, all all trade deadline talk, which we love to do because this is, uh, you know, I, it, trade deadline day is one of the most exciting days of 
in all of hockey. I think the only other ones is, you know, the draft free agency started the playoffs and started the regular season. So uh, one, yeah. one of the big, big five days in the NHL. And we will uh, do everything we can to keep you guys updated with everything. And if you want to stay with those updates, you can follow us over on Twitter slash X at SE Hockey. And we're also on Instagram at SEU Hockey. Feel free to throw us a follow on there, join in on the, the conversations, throw us mock trades, and we'll, uh, we'll review them. But uh, yeah, that covers everything for today. Thanks to everybody once again. Catch you in the next one.